Welcome to Bearing Point Talks Ireland. Hi, I'm Madison Duffy and you're very welcome to Bearing Point Talks, our regular series of podcasts where we focus on relevant industry topics of the day. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Kevin Quinn, who is the Head of Commercial and Marketing at Leinster Rugby, Andrew Montgomery, Partner and Global Leader of Bearing Point's Government and Public Sector Segment, and Kieran Lynch, who is a Manager at Bearing Point. You're all very welcome and thank you for joining me today. I think today's discussion is going to be really interesting as we have a close relationship with Leinster Rugby as we are their official innovation partner. So on today's podcast, we will be discussing the upcoming rugby season in terms of the off-field landscape, the opportunities and challenges for Leinster Rugby and professional rugby clubs in general, and how they can compete for and win supporters in the post-pandemic economy and society by providing a differentiated customer experience. So welcome to you all. And Andrew, I might start with you first then. Um, so thanks for joining us and welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Madison. And uh, firstly, Kevin, I think it's great to be back here at the start of a new season and obviously talking in the context of having supporters back in the, the stadium, the atmosphere. I think, you know, uh, good start last Friday uh, in the Aviva Stadium and obviously in advance of the, the season kicking off, I, I suppose, in earnest uh, in two weeks time. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Madison. Yes, very exciting. Um, we had just short of 10,000 people in Aviva Stadium to play a pre-season friendly last Friday with Harlequins, and that went off really, really well. It was um, uh, on a number of different fronts. It was just brilliant to be back. The atmosphere, the sound, the noise, brilliant that we could repay some of our season ticket holders with some tickets um, who have stood, stood by us steadfast through COVID. Our partners, like yourselves, to get them along to an event finally and, and meet up again with people in person. But actually even talking to some of the players after the game, they really just enjoyed it. The the noise, the buzz, they really fed off the energy. And even though, um, as I said, it was just about 10,000 people in a stadium that can hold 52, they said it was just electric. They mm-hmm. thought it was amazing. They yeah. really, really enjoyed it. So uh, great to be back. Yeah, great. and I, I guess, I mean, for the rest of us coming back after summer and vacations and staycations and things like that, I mean, obviously you guys uh, have been very, very busy. I'm sure, I mean, the players have been back in really preparing, obviously, for the season ahead and being competitive on the pitch. From your perspective, obviously, as well, it's very important that Leinster Rugby is competitive off the pitch uh, and obviously very much in terms of, you know, uh, attracting and retaining your very loyal uh, supporter base and obviously enticing uh, new supporters into the ground. I guess it's it's interesting, obviously, given the COVID experience, um, you know, there's obviously a huge pent up demand there uh, in we the hope. general public. You hope, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, to get back to um, entertainment events overall, whether that's sport or rugby or cinema or concerts. So um, I guess that's very much the sort of competitive landscape that you guys find yourself in, um, in terms of Leinster rugby off the field, I guess. Uh, very much so. So, um, you know, it's no secret. I think we, we talked about it, um, you know, over a year ago in the midst of COVID, how you know, the vast over 50 percent of our commercial revenues are made at the gate. So it's people going through the turnstiles. So that was gone. So we were very, very fortunate in a number of ways. One, um, all of our partners stood by us um, really, really strongly, really well through COVID, which was really crucial to, you know, almost our survival. Um, but likewise to our season ticket holders who I mentioned who stood by us, we, we couldn't offer a season ticket last year because we didn't know if there was going to be any matches. But we, we opened up a new official membership, which was a way really for our supporters um, to, to show financial support for the club when it was just in, in you know, really dire straits. And it was just phenomenal. So um, 
to to get back now to be able to reward to be able to just thank those fans um you know starting in our first match it'd be on the 25th of september against um, a new team the vodacom uh, bulls who are coming from south africa for the first time um, we'll have 75 percent attendances so again um, based on the new government guidelines for all supporters being immune and by immune that is that they've either been fully vaccinated they've recovered from COVID in the last six months or if you're an accompanied minor so if you're under 18 years old um, and you're just accompanied you don't you don't need to show anything but uh, that's going to be amazing so we hope in terms of atmosphere in terms of getting people back we hope to have you know maybe 20,000 people there for that game first game of the season uh, it's going to be uh, crucial in terms of our success as well because obviously we're trying to get as many people in as possible again mm. because that's our main commercial revenue source in terms of through to the turnstiles but also crucial that we can begin to build back towards uh, sure. that proper sea of blue and, and, and just a great day out really yeah, you know, yeah. So. Absolutely. And, uh, Kevin if I just come in there 10,000 people last Friday for a pre-season friendly that surely must be a record I know you've previously hosted those matches in Donnybrook so yeah. Bo- does that yeah. bode well for the season? We'll be looking forward. I to. really hope so, Kieran. Um Yeah, that would have been our biggest pre-season friendly ever. So, um, so then it gets back to Andrew's point about you know the hope that or the expectation that there is some pent-up demand just for people to get out and just have normality, a bit of normal events again. And I suppose the beauty about um, any outdoor spent event, you've seen it with the GAA finals, um, you've seen it with um, you know football in the UK is that there's, uh, you know, even through the Euros where there was huge crowds at some of those games, there's little or no incidence of COVID. Mm. So uh, assuming you're applying the, 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 the guidelines, everyone wears their mask, well, then it's going to be a safe environment to come back for you, for your friends and your families. And uh, we welcome you back. So can't wait to see you all. Yeah. And I mean, in terms, obviously, of facing into the, the new season, I mean, the, obviously, the whole landscape has changed. Um you know, rugby as a product, I guess, is evolving as well uh, as a game. Um, and I suppose in, in terms of, you know, the Leinster rugby proposition to supporters, it's, you know, you, you clearly recognise it's a combination of that product of rugby and what the fundamental uh, entertainment form is. But I guess also then it's it's the whole experience that Leinster is looking to wrap around that um, for your supporter base, you know, whether that's the in-stadium experience and also through other channels and the digital piece as well. Yeah, there's um, oh, there's a lot there, I suppose, to go. I suppose uh, rugby as a, as a professional sport is relatively immature. Mm. It's, you know, some 25 years as a professional sport. So we look with envy on it at, you know, sports like the NFL or the Premier League in the UK. They have like, you know, 100 years more professionalism ahead of them. So they've been able to build up the brands, build up the entertainment of the product, build up to, to a stage where we can only hope to be in terms of even their audiences. Mm. Um, but saying that, there's, there's plenty that we can learn off them in terms of how to do that. I think rugby unions are a really interesting place at the moment, commercially, so prof- from a professional point of view. We've just recently, in the last year, year and a half, you've seen um, CVC, which is a venture capital company, invest in North and South, so invest in the UK in, in the Premiership, the Gallagher Premiership, um, here in, in the Guinness Pro 14. Um, they're looking at investing potentially in the All Blacks. They've invested in, in the Six Nations. So you're going to see, it's almost, I believe, an inflection point for how um, 
one, how, how the, the sport will be, I suppose, commercialized over the coming seasons, but also how it'll be, uh, you know, how it'll be consumed by the end user in terms of making it potentially more data heavy so that there's more data points for people to be able to consume on like you might see with NFL or even in the you know the, the Premier League for soccer. Um, I think there'll be snappier bite-sized pieces of, of, of entertainment, how it's pr presented video-wise. Um, and I think really I do believe how we connect with our with our key supporter groups with our key stakeholders i think that's going to see a significant change over the next while in terms of just being able to identify who the most loyal supporters are in our case of leinster rugby and being able to present them with um you know a, a probably an all season all not just season but all year long experience whether that's digitally through their phones through um you know as well as the physical experience then that knits naturally into that the core experience will always be match day mm. uh, and and the performance of the team obviously is core to that and the style of rugby that we play in our case but uh, I think you'll see a, a much more um, almost annual type membership annual type experience and connection with Leinster rugby as as it begins to grow yeah and I mean you talked about that the annual experience I mean obviously you know the I guess the core cycle in terms of planning both on and off the pitch is the season it's the season ahead but, um, you know, in terms of the evolution of Leinster rugby, um, you know, obviously you, you have a much longer time frame than just looking at things on a season by season basis. And in terms of, you know, your strategy as to how the organisation is going to grow is clearly based on, you know, looking out a lot further than just, you know, next May or hopefully June when the finals are on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the Irish provinces are kind of unique, probably in professional sport in that, you know, we have a dual remit. So we're not just responsible for a professional team that takes to the, to the pitch every week. Uh, we're also responsible for uh, the domestic and community rugby program too. So growing the game is actually one of my key objectives in terms of out of the commercial program. So because um, our commercial success actually is absolutely and utterly uh, connected directly with the success of our domestic and community rugby program. The more people that enjoy, watch, play rugby, then the more chance that one, we've got been you know, connected to, aware of and connected to Leinster Rugby, the more chance they might then, you know, as well as being aware, they might actually become associated with us. They might then convert to actually come into a game or buying a hoodie or, uh, and then, you know, maybe becoming like a steadfast season ticket holder. So mm. if your future to come. So we've got a big job on that front and I think there's, there's plenty more we can do there. So, but I think it's, it's, part of our uniqueness and professionalism if you think of having 95 96% of our athletes coming digitally from the, from the area from where we're from I don't think any other professional team has that anywhere mm. um, that's a massive strength for us and we need to play to that we need to grow that we need to encourage that and make sure it's successful not just from a you know me selfishly from a commercial or a marketing point of view but if you think of it even for the playing base so if we want the best players to rise to the you know that top 101% of the game that uh, you know very few that end up turning professional well again the more players that are interested the more players uh, women girls boys men that are playing well then the better chance are that that you'll have better athletes going through our player pathways and getting to the top and then our team is going to be better so it's almost mm. a, a virtuous circle of the you know more better players leading into better performances on the pitch leading into potentially more trophies doing better leading to more revenue and yeah. then we pump that revenue back in and that's that's a key key part of what we want to do yeah and i mean i was interested i mean we were talking a bit a little bit off air earlier around um you know how the whole if you like 
entertainment business or the sports business sits in the context of what's happened obviously over the last you know 18 mm. months where it doesn't really matter what industry you're in or what industry segment you're in you know the uh, everyone has been engaging digitally yes. um, and you know from a fan's perspective obviously not being in the stadiums for the last 18 months or so um, it's been very very limited in terms of that the digital experience and some of the things you've done in terms of the supporter boards during matches and things like that um, and I know you were interested in some of the research that Bearing Point had done around to what extent that dial would move back from a purely digital experience in, in different industry sectors. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fascinating because, um, you know, particularly if you think of the entertainment hospitality industry, which is probably the hardest hit in, in that it's been the last to reopen. Um, so it's fascinating to see all those people that signed up to Netflix, Spotify, Disney Plus, went and got more, even more Sky Sports, whatever it might have been, are they then going to be still consuming all of that and spending so much time consuming that digitally, potentially at home? Or are they going to come back for that, you know, in life, physical, real life experience? So, yeah. uh, and we believe it's probably somewhere in the middle. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. they'll be able to do both. I think on the subscription side, if you look at all the digital entertainment, um, it's just going to become more commoditized and that we, we get to choose and pick more of what we do. I don't think it'll ever replace the physical con like going to a concert going to a concert with your friends, your family, having that buzz, you know, the first time the band comes on the stage and, you know, you feel it on the back of your neck. Likewise, you know, uh, when the team runs out at one of our games, you know, everybody's up and shouting. Um, I, I just don't think you can replace that in terms of digital. But I think it's fascinating what, what you say, though, that we've had to pivot slightly in terms of, you know, producing more digital content to try and fill the void of not being able to go to our physical, actual games. Um, and, you know, we did some of that with success, some of it I, I absolutely we can improve how it's presented. And, you know, we're working with Bearing Point in terms of helping us to, to manage that process in terms of that, you know, digital transformation in terms of some of the content we produce um, to make it from being that physical catch like a, a match day program into actual uh, a digital uh, program that one has more scope, much more reach, m reaches a much bigger audience than it did physically when it's in crowd. And also what are the benefits and the commercial, um, you know, I suppose, a new revenue sources that we can derive out of that. Yeah. And it's I mean, it's interesting when you think about it, because, you know, from in terms of that digital experience, there's almost two aspects to it. One is as an alternate. So, you know, for example, not all supporters can go to every game. Obviously, you don't get as many supporters going to the away matches, but that doesn't mean that you don't want to engage those supporters during match week. No. And obviously, the digital channels and what you have at your disposal is the ideal way to do that. And, um, you know, that's probably, um, you know, the experience over the last 18 months has probably given you more insights into how, how to better do that on a, on a regular basis. Um, and I guess the other aspect then is around even within the sort of physical confines of a stadium, there's still plenty of uh, scope to enhance the supporter experience oh, with, with, with digital content and digital access, whether that's in-game experiences or yep. whatever. Yep. Um, so it's, it, when you look at it, it's interesting that those two perspectives, I guess, are very much part of the experience you're trying to create. Yeah, so it's the experience when people are in the stadium. And again, I, I mentioned earlier in terms of that application of that in-match data, how that data is presented back in terms of so that people actually, you know, there's some very, I suppose, extreme examples where, you know, people have talked about, well, could you get, you know, the heartbeat of Johnny Sexton when he's lining up to take a conversion? And is it going fast? Is it going slow? How can you feel that? So before he kicks the ball, and that's, I don't know if that's something that ever come off. I think that's a, yeah. it's a really cool idea. But um, 
but uh, then there's Tony's too cool <laughs> it's harpy it won't, it won't go up no just no yeah, yeah. <laughs> just I'd, I'd say it's just time. regular the whole time absolutely <laughs> yeah. um, uh, except when he got that drop goal against France I think I, I reckon ah, his heart goes you'd allow him that I think yeah but but you know the I suppose the other is off the pitch so you know we did some work with Brian Point around some virtual reality so the idea that um, you know our stadium is potentially going to go through some redevelopment in the RDS so the the RDS team are, are working hard on that at the moment and um, you know that we could potentially present somebody with what the view will be from the new stand what the view might be from a hospitality suite in the new stand, what the view might be from the bar, so that you, even before it's it's bricks and mortar, you're actually then being able to sell that and sell the experience and sell sell you know how much better that would be than than the current setup. So that's that's fascinating too. But I, I think the whole digital piece is fascinating because for me, um, you know, it was probably happening to Leinster Rugby, uh, like we, we, you know, essentially we. Th- our product is entertainment in terms of rugby on the pitch, but the whole digital piece about creating more video content ourselves. In the past, we would have re- relied on, you know, the TV broadcasters, the RTEs, the BBCs, the Skies to make a lot of the content that we would then share. Now we're actually back sharing much more, creating much more of ourselves. If we need to tell our story about what's going on, well, then we need to be the ones actually create and make that, be able to write, tell a really good story about Lance Rugby and what's happening behind the scenes. So we, we create that video, we create all those assets uh, in terms of doing that. But even look at us here now in terms of we've got Bearing Point as a corporate here doing a podcast with, with one, of, uh, one of your clients um, and one of your partners. And, and so even that producing your own content to be able to tell the story about the successes you've had in terms of digital transformation, in terms of clients where to do that. And, you know, you hear it more and more over the years, where, or over, sorry, over the last few months at least, where you're hearing the, the bigger companies having their own studios now having their own TV studios almost to be able to do their own programming because, again, you're in the same business in terms of creating all of your own content. So I think it's, it's a fascinating space and it's only going to grow. You know, yeah. So. And I mean, you know, clearly there's a, there's a huge amount of innovation going on there and in all, in all those things you, you've talked about. And that's very much key in terms of creating a differentiated experience for, for your supporters. And I know, I mean, obviously in the course of that as well, um, you know, you're continually looking at other organisations and, benchmarking yourselves against, you know, other professional rugby clubs uh, and other leaders around the world in other sports as well. Um, and look, we've helped you with, with some of that uh, over the years. I might just bring Kieran in on that point, uh, Kieran, because, I mean, there's, there's a number, I guess, of different dimensions to looking at that in terms of, you know, how, uh, how Leinster Rugby would stack up with, it, with its peers around the world. Yeah, absolutely. One of the first exercises we undertook in, in part of our partnership was we um we did a comparison with with Leinster rugby and other professional franchises and Leinster scored very high on on a lot of them we we benchmarked them on six main areas which were uh, digital marketing digital uh, product experience uh, e-commerce ecrm mobile and uh, social media so out of that we got a picture um and Leinster scored very highly on all of them and some of them there was room for improvement and there was little things that we could uh, do to to improve and i think one we took action on was the ECRM, um, which Leinster moved on. But maybe Kevin will give us a better uh, detail in terms of the benefits that that's bringing to Leinster, or or what do you hope to get out of that CRM? Yeah, sure. I mean, just touch them on on the digital survey first. I suppose that was fascinating from my point of view because it's the first time that we could actually benchmark ourselves against other professional sports franchises. So, and not just rugby clubs. That was across the NFL. It was across the the Premier League. 
uh, football clubs. It was it was really interesting to see, and then and then rugby clubs from from the southern hemisphere that we wouldn't normally play against. So to benchmark ourselves against some of those for the very first time, uh, just to have that information it was really interesting to see. Well, areas that we could improve on, we could look at other clubs that are really strong in certain areas and say, well, how are they strong? What are they doing that's different? And really learn from that. So that was really beneficial. Um, and, and and like I said earlier, you know, some of it is you're definitely not, you know, comparing apples and apples when you think of a, an NFL team and the resources they have. Uh, versus Leinster Rugby, or indeed, uh, you know, many of the Premiership uh, or the Premier League uh, football clubs, but still, it was really good to see where they were strong. So, yeah, you're rightly though we, we looked at CRM. Listen, CRM has been a bit of a uh, uh, one of my my go-to's since I since I've arrived here in Leinster Rugby to try and, and kick on because uh, I was previously a season ticket holder with Leinster Rugby before I, I assumed this position, and so I was conscious of the fact that um, you know we don't really understand uh, very much about our supporters just just in terms of who they are how long they've been with us um, you know what's their journey with us in terms of have they been with us for 10 11 years since our first Heineken Cup win or have they been with us have they just joined last summer you know so and and there's a huge difference between that because as anybody know in terms of when it comes to um, winning customers is the effort you go in to get that person to come in, that person come in for the first time um, last summer and then to convert them into, you know, a, a season ticket holder that stays with you for 11 or 12 years is is huge in terms of the resource time efforts to, to, to get to convert that person into, you know, somebody that absolutely loves, sings and dances around the brand. Um, then so but I think the crucial piece in understanding that is that how we can segment and change how we communicate with those people to ensure that they're happy with what we're doing, to ensure that um, the type of content they receive from is exactly what they want, and to ensure as well that those people that have been with us for 11, 12 years who are so loyal um, and have been with us in, in, in the, the darker days when Leinster Rugby wasn't potentially doing as well on the pitch, that um, you know they really they stick with us and they can be with us for another 10, 12 years, another 20 years. Mm. Um, so. Yeah, so we're working um, with thanks again uh, to, to you guys in Bearing Point. Um, we, we're just coming to the end of a process of setting up a new CRM platform um, based on Microsoft Dynamics. And for the first time, we can actually really tell, you know, much more about our, our key um, demographics within our season ticket base and our ticket buying. Um, it's our match attendance um, supporters. So they're the people, you know, that actually are week in, week out spending their, their good money with us in terms of to come to our matches and hopefully to enjoy the experience. So for us to understand them more, to us to be able to um, identify with them, to un understand them that, you know, how can we differentiate the offering to make it, you know, it should be it should be even more special. It's special already, but it should be uh, more special for those people that have been with us for the last 15 years because they deserve that. <laughs> they've been, they've, they're like the bedrock in which we've made our success both on and off the pitch. And so not just a professional team, but, but of course the, the domestic and community rugby programme as well. So in, in practical terms, Kevin, are you talking about things like um, once-off events for 10-year season ticket holders or yeah. giveaways, that, you know, yeah. exclusive content so for those people? Yeah, we'd probably turn them all into money can't buy type events. So those sort of you know one-off events that you know you just it's an experience that is not once in a lifetime because we obviously can't kind of promise that but uh, it for some people maybe but it's just the idea that you can 
uh, identify these people and, and basically reward them for their loyalty. So it could be it could be a money can't buy. It could be something as simple that you know we work with um, Diageo as our partner, so that maybe in stadium that you know Diageo we work with Diageo and they get you know a free pint. Uh, when they rock up to the bars that actually there's a bind, pint on your tab here because you've been with us for 10 years thanks a million you know and so only one pint for 10 years oh, here lads come on will you but the, no I mean seriously I, I think there's a, you know, there's plenty of things we can do and plenty of things we can do with our partners as well because obviously they're a key group in terms of you know, uh, association and brand awareness and will be very loyal to us and loyal to our partners. So how do we interact there to make sure that from a partner's point of view too, we're delivering, being able to deliver extra for those very important season ticket holders? So I'm hearing, uh, you know, we can look forward to a series of very tailored offerings for Kieran here, um, if I'm not mistaken. So... Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. No, we're at the beginning of this program. <laughs> yeah. so I can't promise anything just yet, but we we definitely want to introduce a, a loyalty program, um, which we don't have at the moment. And and this information and I suppose the the nuggets of, of knowledge, uh, the insights that you can pick out of um, this CRM database that um, Barry Point has helped us with is I think is going to be, it is actually going to be transformational. It'll take us a while to get there, as and. Uh, that's the beauty about working with you guys as well is that it's not just about the technology piece and, and, and picking the right technology and setting us up for success in the future, but you help as well with our work processes, how to apply that technology, how to look at what we do now, which can be often quite manual, um, and, and then to make sure that we're set up in, in the medium to long term to uh, manual tasks are more eliminated so that we can spend more time um, looking at what we do from a commercial and a marketing point of view to improve the offering rather than just administration and process. Yeah, you know, so. yeah. So I guess, I mean, we're in week one or week two of the season. I mean, planning and preparation, but, you know, you'll very much be in, in the thick of things and uh, I guess the, the ebb and flow of the season. And I think one of the interesting things when you look at sport, um, and we've talked about this before, is actually the business cycle. So, you know, we've talked about obviously the season and, you know, planning things for, you know, the eight or nine months. But I think the really interesting thing is even within that business cycle, you've got a series of, you know, shorter overlapping business cycles, i.e. gearing up for every match, uh, whether that's home or away. Um, and, um, you know, every match, I think it's fair to say, is has different characteristics depending on the team, whether you're playing home or away whether you're playing Friday night, Saturday afternoons, who are you going to get at it? And um, I mean, I guess from your perspective, planning and tailoring the supporter experience uh, has to be done in terms of the season and the overall experience, but also very much geared to, to each game, I guess. Yeah, there's, there's probably a number of different uh, commercial or business cycles for us during the season. Uh, first and foremost, I, I can't, um, not mention um, the commercial team in Leinster Rugby who so we it's been incredibly challenging we would have got our fixtures what two weeks ago now so we have our first match um, of the new United Rugby Championship on Saturday the 25th as I mentioned we had a pre-season friendly against Harlequins last Friday um, getting our fixtures two weeks ago means that you're essentially starting from scratch then normally in a normal season you'd get your fixtures usually end of June, July and you can look then to sit down over the summer when it's that little bit quieter to be able to start planning for the season so we've had to start from scratch we have to start from scratch also with ever-changing and ever-evolving 
COVID protocols, mm. so how they affect what we plan for. So um, even getting those 10,000 people into Aviva Stadium for Harlequins last Friday was just an incredible effort from a very small but very capable uh, commercial team in, in Leinster Rugby, and they've just done uh, a phenomenal job. Uh, everybody working all night, all days, to try and make sure everything gets in. So you have that complication for this season and working through, hopefully, uh, you know, the lifting, final lifting of, of COVID restrictions, hopefully towards the end of October uh, here in Ireland. So, which will be brilliant at the moment, as I mentioned earlier, we're working towards 75% capacity um, for our first match on the 25th. And we're really excited about that. So you have that whole planning of the overall season. You also have the planning coming for the fixtures for the overall season with each of our partners. So if you can sit down with the fixture list, you sit down with your partners and you say, OK, well, what milestones might be coming up for you during the season? Uh, are there any home matches that you wish to attach a particular promotion, activation with, so you can maximize the coverage you get for a new product, a new service, or whatever you might be launching, whatever you might be doing. Uh, it might be a staff day out. It might be you know Christmas celebration, Halloween celebration. How do we fit that into our activation program with each of our partners for the season? And then, as you rightly say, we have that individual uh, mad cycle of running from kickoff to kickoff mm. in between the season. And um, it, it's, uh, I found it um, incredible when I came in here first and I'm only in a few years, but it, it's like, uh, it, it's just, it's nonstop. You, as soon as you finish a match, you're switched to the next one immediately. Um, and it's one of the things I'm hoping that through, you know, as we become uh, more digitized, as we become less process, and administration driven and we, if we can help to automate some of those processes that will inadvertently lead to more time for us to be able to look back because you just don't really get that time when you're rushing from kickoff to kickoff to be able to take a breather to look back and say well, what went well and what didn't how can we improve that you only really get that time at the moment in the summertime um, and, and then it's often it's too late because you've, all of your home matches have gone through and you say, oh, if I only did that, it could have been better or we did this or, you know, or you look at a certain tranche of, of um, match day attendees or season ticket holders that, you know, maybe they've st stopped coming to games. Well, so, well, why was that? Oh, look, we just contacted them, but we contacted them after the season where they've had children or their job has changed or the circumstances change and you want to find out what is anything you can do to help them maybe share their ticket with one of their friends. So the tickets still get used. They still potentially get some return from that and and again again it's all associated with Lens Ruby the brand Lens Ruby and the events and and they can keep in touch and involved yeah. um so yeah so it's a, a big key thing in terms of that, that the the dashboards that we've been working on with with you guys at brain point and indeed that that CRM platform is that if we can automate more of those administration tasks that that frees us up more time during the season to be able to look back and see how we can improve yeah uh, it's 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 constant improvement it's trying to pursuit of excellence is really what we go for and I mean obviously having the right data and information is is crucial to all of that Absolutely. I mean from a from a rugby perspective I mean all the players obviously play matches with GPS devices I mean I'm sure you would love that every supporter would have a GPS device and you would know exactly what they do and how they engage in the stadium and what they do in the week leaving up to the, the events no and stuff. I would not like that thank, <laughs> you, for, thank you very much obviously that's <laughs> obviously that's not possible but um, you know I mean any of the when, when you are in the you know the very intense you know weekly planning cycles I mean obviously as you uh, you know as you roll out more of this technology and you, you have access to greater information um, you know that should put you in a much better position to be able to plan and create mm. the experience that you want mm. on a Friday night or a Saturday depending on 
you know, the types of supporters that you're trying to attract for that match and the characteristics of the game, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I suppose the, the irony of the, the analogy of the uh, the GPS dongle in the back of the player's jersey, um, like that was new. It created a phenomenal amount of new data about each of the players. Then they needed to actually generate new software to interpret that data and to see how that might bring that back to impact you know their training schedules their diet their sleeping schedules in our case when we look at it from a commercial and marketing point of view there's a huge amount of data already out there about all of the people that come to our games but invariably it's held with third parties that provide us with crucial services you know ticketing um e-zines uh, web platforms social media and so that's the beauty about that uh, having a, a central crm platform one, we can begin to collate and centralize that data for the first time, and, and we retain ownership of it. Um, and not only is that going to provide us with new insights about our supporters, but it also means as well that when it comes to renegotiations and, and looking at tenders for key services that we are, that we're a little bit independent. We're at the moment, we're a little bit hamstrung because a lot of that data sits with some of our key partners, and they do a fantastic job. So it's not, it's not about changing anything, but at least it, it gives us the control over what we can do in the future. Um, uh, and then it, the funny thing is that the software already available. It's not like it's new data. It's already there. So if we can centralize it, bring it in, then we can begin to uh, analyze, interrogate that data, look at the information, the insights that it, it gleans for us, and then act on it. Uh, and that's a key thing. So, you know, you mentioned about having the right data. So not only is it about having the right data, and I probably uh, may people listening to this podcast will understand if they've done a CRM system before, if they've done any d d data analysis, um, you often end up down many r rabbit holes looking at, oh, this is going to be a fantastic piece of information, and then it doesn't really come out the way you expect. Um, and I think that's been really uh, interesting as again again working hats off to you guys in terms of that your focus on on less in terms of let's just pick off a couple of obvious and easy data points let's make sure we have accurate data around those data points and then see how we can act on that and then if we need to build up that dashboard in terms of the information that's available we can do that but let's just focus on you know these three data points around loyalty for example if our our season ticket base and let's make sure that we can act on those and that actually they're reliable and and they make the difference that we think they can and then the final piece too is just um is having the capacity the resource to be able to act on it if one thing having the information it's another thing being able to act on it and if again if that's another manual process if that's another administrative process to be able to act on it it sort of defeats the purpose so the idea again of, of that sort of digital transformation piece of automating many of those tasks because then you can really bring that into the commercial strategy and it can really make a difference yeah and i mean you, you obviously i mean you know rugby's a team sport it's a team sport for you guys obviously on the pitch and off the pitch um, you know, and it's, it's the same for us, I guess, in, in our business. And I know, I mean, our own people have been, you know, uh, delighted to get involved in some of those, mm -hmm. helping to create some of those match day experiences, I guess, and some of those innovations, um, right. which, you know, Kieran and his team have uh, put in place. Yeah. yeah, I was going to jump in there. I was going to say, but, you know, you're talking about the technology and the, and the processes, but certainly people are, are key of it. And I think. Leinster do have great people in there like anyone where we ever deal with or talk to they're, thank you Kieran. They're, they're fantastic <laughs> but they are you do have a great team because you, you know you'd see them doing multiple jobs mm. do you know on match day you'd see them around the place helping out it, it really does come across a good team effort off the pitch I think it's pretty similar in bearing point too and Andrew's dead right like any of the any of the activations that we have done such as the clap banners or or things like that we have a lot of people in bearing point volunteering to 
to get involved because it's it's something they enjoy. And I know um, Paul Allen, who leads a lot of our, um, indeed Andrew, are both season ticket holders. Yes. You know, and I'm a big Leinster rugby fan, so it's it's a pleasure to to work with you. You know, it's it's a, it's a dream. Good. It doesn't feel like work, really. You know, Alison, so. don't be shy now. You can get <laughs> <it>. yeah. <laughs> And I go to a few matches myself. <laughs> <laughs> right, good. And they are. So it's uh, it, there is a big people element on top of the technology stuff. Um, and I suppose that's what Andrew's saying that that um, atmosphere of that teamwork element that you know we're all in this to to succeed to get better to drive and it's uh, yeah it's great to see oh, thank you and it comes back to for us too I mean that's you know one of our, our key drivers in terms of our purpose is around our pursuit of excellence so um, you know we can always improve we can always get better we can always learn and it's about making time to, to look back as I said to see where things went well but also where things didn't go as well and to learn from those I think is crucial uh, and just on your point on work and on the job, and no, Alison, absolutely. I mean, I'm very lucky to work in, in sport and in professional sport. Um, obviously, I was, as I said, I was a season ticket holder for Leinster Rugby before I, I started this position. So um, it was a job that I was you know, very happy to, to get. And I'm still a job that I'd be very happy in. But it's um, any job, any business, any office that you work in where there's a good buzz, where there's, you know, good collegiality, where you're, you know, um, potentially more emotionally invested as well as just, you know, working on products and services, I think is always going to lead to uh uh, a better well actually I wouldn't say a better balance in terms of work life because you spend <laughs> you usually spend more time working on it but um, but you do get I suppose that emotional release you know that's the one thing about working in sport is that if the team wins and you know you've contributed well that's a contribu- contri- contribution that I can assure you is very much off the field and not in, a, in a anything to do with the team in a coaching point of view but you've, you've contributed and you've contributed well but then you know that that is leading to success on the field and therefore you, you share in the supposed to uh, the euphoria that release in terms of the uh, you know endorphins that say woohoo we did it you know so that's 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 very i suppose probably a little bit unique in terms of working in professional sport but is um handy when you think of the hours that are involved (laughs) (laughs) so um i'm just looking at the match clock here i don't think we've quite done our 80 minutes but um (laughs) just looking across to uh our referee madison who might be just about to blow full time so um Kevin, thanks. I think that was a great discussion. Um, and obviously, just to wish uh, Leinster Rugby every success on and off the pitch uh, for this season and obviously the seasons to come. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on and I look forward to seeing the, the three of you at a match very soon. Brilliant. Well, I'll just say thanks again, everyone, for joining us today and for that interesting discussion. And a big thank you to everyone who's tuned in. I'm Madison Duffy and you've been listening to Bearing Point Talks. Mm-hmm.